Okay, we're starting the record button and making sure everything's working. Looks like it is. A little hard to tell when I record. Um, I got my leather jacket on, inspired by the uh, by the fun commercial. So let's get over here and start. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. And we're going to get back to Neil Patel today. <laughs> but first, some fun from uh, from Ryan Gosling and Tag Hauer. Hoer? Hoer? I, while I was queuing this up, I, I, I saw that Ryan had, they, there's a YouTube video about his watch collection. Apparently he loves watches, and he has one quite a bit like mine. The only difference is mine has a dark blue face, which I think is really excellent. It's custom, and you never find another one like it. Um, long story, but anyway, I love watches. And so I thought I'd put on this, this video. Here we go. Let's get over to the content. Oops, let's take it. Running down the hall, jumps out the window. Keep the Ooh. cameras rolling. Go, go, go. Right, Get the rubber glass on him. Glass. And action, Ryan. Okay, roll off. I see he's got his leather jacket on like mine. Great. Now, tilt the watch to the light. And caught. <laughs> so he didn't really do anything. They give him a big hand, and then uh, the the uh, prop lady yeah. comes. Sorry, prop master Tammy. Thank you. Master, how'd you get that? Oh, Do you get a bachelor's you. first in props, no. and then you work your way up to the masters? That's very funny. Can I have the watch back? What, uh, what watch? The watch that's probably behind your back. Yeah. You got me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a Carrera. It's a Tag Heuer Carrera. Yes. Heuer. Yeah. Because it's okay. worn by the best drivers in the world. Yeah. Exactly. I know. Can you give it back to me? Oh, um, <laughs> oh, hold on a second. Yep. So then God, this goes on a little bit much, and then yeah. he, he tries to escape in his Porsche, which I think is also a Carrera. The chase for the Carrera, and then the prop lady chases after him, and that's a little bit self-indulgent also. Um, and then she jumps on... Golf cart jumps on the roof of the, of the Porsche. I can't believe he's going 10 miles an hour. I have a golf cart that goes fast. Give me the watch. This just gets funny. Man. Oh my. Give me the watch. No. Well, I need the watch now. Tammy, I'm going to turn on the windshield wipers. Give it to me now. Give me the watch. All green Cut. screen. That was great. Really good. Oh, okay. Thank you. And then the Hey, um yeah. next Then the prop guy oh, comes Wayne. in. Let me guess. You want the watch. I'm gonna need that watch. Right. <laughs> there it is. But that's a five minute video that I broke down to you in a minute. Uh thirty seconds or something like that. Anyway, so um eh, you know, it's fairly funny. Let's get over to the discussion of it from Amy Houston, my friend, and she says it was designed, that original watch was designed by Jack Hauer himself, Hoyer himself, 
1963. Um, oh, there's a road called Carrera Panamericana. Panamericana. A dangerous road race. Oh, that was a road race, okay, in Mexico. And uh, so, anyway, tons of energy. Um, again, they, they should cut it down to 30 seconds and it'd be funnier. The agency said we wanted a very different tone for this. And uh, that's from the drum. So thank you for that, Amy. Well, a follow-up story to one I did a week and a half ago, which interestingly has like 6,500 uh, impressions. I'm not sure what an impression is, but that's a lot better than my average, which is about four or 500, um, about Bud Light's marketing leadership. And apparently there's been a shakeup. Uh, I did as a, you know, try to tag Alyssa in that story on LinkedIn. But by the time I got to it, um, she had deleted her, her account apparently, and is on a, um, on a sabbatical of some sort. And uh, this, but this is just a follow-up to some of the impact of it. And uh, I went over to Beer Business Daily, who reported this news, and they have a follow-up to this follow-up, okay? So lots of controversy about Bud. Uh, it's not clear. Elisa seemed to say that they did—they were sponsoring influencers. They didn't just produce the cans. Um, it's not clear, not clear to me. Uh, but, uh, but Dylan has some 10 or Mulvaney has some 10 million TikTok followers. So you'd think she was paid for that spot that she essentially did. But anyway, the follow-up follow was Bud Light scanner volumes are down more than 21% the week ending 4.15, losing 6.5 volume share points versus um, their yearly average. So uh, people are still drinking beer, but they're trying to not drink Bud Light, apparently. Um, and that's just a quick follow-up, which shows you that you can ruin a beer brand, which is in my previous, in my previous video. And, I, and that's a little more elaborate discussion of it. And so I'll put a link in the description below. So anyway, this was a kind of an interesting from also from the drum from Sam Anderson marketing leaders digital utopias and dystopias and i thought that was kind of a fun headline and they talk about our digital world and i highlighted some stuff this isn't a grim glimpse oh he was talking about how um mercenary brands aided and abetted by big tech coerce and monetize their audience toothless legislation Complicit politicians and political parties interested in manipulation and shutting down debate. Consumers are the product. Right. And that's kind of what this is about. It's a world where new rules of data don't count and use and abuse of personal data are the norm and it will only get worse. As this model, this is a really scary part, as this model gets less effective, it becomes a race to the bottom with more egregious targeting more brands stalking consumers around social and more AI-led personalization. And of course, you know my thoughts on personalization, that it's basically impossible. 
No one can guess what you want next and be there when you want it because no one, including yourself, knows the future and knows what you'll want next. And I defy you to predict what you want next. That's from Simon Spire, CEO of Data Driven Futures, Iris, whatever that is, Iris. Okay, someone who's honest about things. And this one is from Michael Dean, head of Digital Fox Agency. And he talks about once upon a time we talked to each other. The price we paid for free instant access was our personal data. This data became the currency of the dot-com. Fast forward 20 years and we're paying the price for this Rumpelstiltskinian exchange. I would guess that's how it should be changed into an adjective. We're in debt to the likes of Zuckerberg and Musk and social media as we know it is dead. And I would like to put a plug in for Twitter. I don't know why, but Twitter's gotten a lot more fun. I, I do see both sides of, of issues on Twitter, unlike almost anywhere else. Uh, so it is possible. It's fun. And in fact, you can see it in any particular tweet. You know, if you look at the comments, you'll see both sides. It's fun. And uh, there was a there was a tweet yesterday that I that my wife asked me to look at about a Russian plane flying into the United States, and it turns out it was probably Vladimir Putin who was who was speaking at the UN I think today, and uh, and that was in the comments. Somebody said, "Oh, that's what they're doing." You know, it wasn't some kind of fighter attack or anything like that, and it showed the kind of plane, and it was like a big, you know, normal. Uh, passenger plane, but it was probably the equivalent of Air Force One. So you can get both sides on Twitter. Okay, ethics and transparency, and this is from Mike Spencer, founder and chief operating officer of M&C Saatchi. I remember what is a Saatchi and Saatchi. Okay, I don't know what any of those stand for. They change, they change those letters all the time. The ethics and transparency we practitioners bring to the table will be the difference between a world where we trust no one and suspect everything or where we reap the rewards of a happier utopia that's well within the reach of data-fueled automation, personalization, and high-value exchange for all. <laughs> that sounds scarier than the other ones, actually. I think there was a couple of more sca scary ones. The digital landscape is on a steady tra trajectory toward hell. AI pushing more extreme content, lackluster content moderation, and the ongoing Twitter social debacle we are all, uh, are all driving us there. Straight to hell. There's some glimmer of hope in the form of tighter regulation you think that's a glimmer of hope that was the scariest thing i saw in this regulation never never is justice never and so that's from that's from andrea villa paid media analyst at brave bison never never the, the hope okay if we can't regulate ourselves no amount of regulation will do it. Here's from Lindsay Flanagan. Instead of relying on crude demographic assumptions that ignore who consumers are uh, as individuals, we're facilitating the creation of online identities. This is also scary. The positive ones are more scary than the negative. 
online identities that understand what each person likes, how they like to engage, creating a more authentic, I love that, this plastic internet connection is going to be a more authentic and resonant experience overall. My word. Anyway, excellent article that, you know, should scare the pants off you if you're in advertising and marketing. You call them marketing leaders. I welcome your thoughts on that one. Okay, and let's get back to Neil Patel. We're at number six. Direct mail gives a feeling of romanticism. That one actually can't. It's gotten a lot better as I'm wading my way. I'm about halfway through this article of 13 reasons why direct mail ain't dead. When did you receive, when you receive a handwritten letter from someone, what do you do? You know, it's not very often that you do that. I bet you sit down and read every word of that letter. But it's not just you who loves getting letters. 73% of customers prefer direct mail as an advertising method. <laughs> they prefer mail. You know, and again, I was talking with these guys yesterday for about an hour. This beautiful Jason home, and we're not going to screw it up, but I think we could do a black plate test on some of this stuff. There's plenty of room to add some product description and <laughs> tag the items a little more effectively. But anyway, you know, and we can do that easily if, with the right printer, right? It's perfect bound. That's a little unusual, you know, for a catalog that size. But anyway, beautiful stuff. 73% um, prefer direct mail as an advertising method, prefer receiving direct mail. Look at that. Okay, what's this from? Well, there's a link in the article. So I post this, I'll post this, and you can click the link and see. 59% uh, of U.S. consumers say they actually enjoy getting mail. People are, since people are receiving less mail, each piece of mail is more exciting. True, there's no competition. In a world where everything gets written by a machine, handwriting on a direct mail piece is a touch that receivers won't be able to ignore. And you can even get uh, Paul down at, uh, at Market Builders got me onto this. And he said they have a machine that, you know, will do handwriting. But he said, you know, you can convert your own, your own writing to a font style. And I had done that. And I sent out a few letters in, in it. And... Uh, I have trouble writing the body of a letter, but you know, with a word processor, you can use your own font and you can get it, you know, nice how you like to say it and you can edit it and be all done. And then you can print it onto cardstock and make a, like a greeting card out of it. And you can still uh, sign it and write extra notes in your own hand, which match the font. <laughs> how cool is that? I should bring an example of that, I suppose. But here's a machine-addressed uh, letter. And uh, when we used to get these, I would, you know, you lick your finger and, and you wipe across the, the, the type and see if it was, see if it was uh, printed or if it was uh, written with a, with a mechanical pen or something. And, and at Market Builders, they have mechanical pens. Okay, it's more like getting a personal letter from a friend than mar a marketing message from a business. Although there can be some pushback to that when you when you when you sneak up on people. But um, according to Modern Postcard, the human brain actually responds with more engagement 
to physical and tactile marketing. And uh, Sappy Paper Company did uh, a, a whole series of videos on uh, tact, the tactile character and that your brain has 10 times the neural responders to touch that it does to sight. You know, our eye uh, receives, you know, terabytes of data, but it boils it down. The optic nerve and the brain processing boils it down to almost nothing. It's fantastic what our eye does. You know, um, uh, Jordan Peterson gave talks and he said, you know, I can see you're smiling and I can see the two people on either side of you nodding, but I really can't see anyone else in the audience unless I move my head around, unless I move my eyes around. He said, so in an audience and in this big auditorium, I can really only see one person. And that's the job that your eyes do in ruling out extraneous information, which also helps with digital advertising on your, on your uh, LinkedIn feed or on your Facebook feed or on your Twitter feed. Okay, so, the, so while your audience may be exposed to digital marketing regularly, direct mail may be more likely to leave that impression that you need to convert. Aristotle said, human sense of touch is what really separates us from the animals, besides speech and other things, but sensory-wise. Okay, direct mail, and he continues on with number seven, which is really a follow-on to six. Direct mail is tangible, and here he gives some examples, okay? And he shows, uh, he shows a mailing where, you know, it's just a burger mailing. And it's not that it's really t tactile. It's that he can put it on his refrigerator, which he did. And he says, you know, I was there for two or three weeks. And then my buddy called and said, let's watch the game at, at a restaurant or a bar or something. And he looks over at his refrigerator and he says, there it is. Okay, it's $10 gift card I got. Let's go there. You know, it's not a big deal. It's not going to save you a lot of money, but you know, they did something nice for you, and you remember, and direct mail does not throw itself away, okay? And at that moment, the coupon decides for you. You could do the same thing with a haircut business. $5 off any haircut at Supercuts. On an e-commerce store, or even a no-brick-and-mortar location. And this is for uh, contact lenses that you can get as uh, on a uh, .com. And again, it sits around until you need it. And I was just received in the mail this set of coupons. They're perforated. They look like they fit in your wallet like a credit card. So they're perfed. And they uh, are for $5 off from the Ace hardware. The trouble is the Ace hardware is beyond work. And so it's not likely I could get down that way very often. I could put them in my wallet. Uh, there's a lot of fine print that's too small to read. Let's see if it has an expiration date on it. Okay, see back for terms and exclusions. <laughs> I'm sure you can't see this, but look at that. So this is a huge mistake. I can't read it. It's way below eight-point type. There's probably a there's probably all kinds of stuff that are excluded and all kinds of stuff. And so this, because of its Poor creative is going to go in the trash, uh, where I would have fished it out of, but I was saving it for this article. <laughs> so direct mail is tangible. It sticks around. It clutters. 
It's invasive, but in a nice way because you don't have to deal with it if you don't want to. And like that piece there, I didn't have to put it in the trash until now. Uh, email is easy to forget because it's just a number on a screen. Um, only about 100 of every 5,000 ad exposures have any meaningful impact on consumers. Because our eye can sort that out. Uh, I've been told there's more... There's more computing power in your optic nerve than in any computer on Earth. I'm not sure, but it sounds like a good slogan. But direct mail is unavoidable. Okay, If your future mail piece has a special offer, most people will save it for future use. And then they won't be able to forget about it. And I do that often. It's true. So thank you for that, Neil. Neil Patel, direct mail isn't dead. And if you have any questions about whether you have an application that could be done through the mail and the advantages of that, give me a call. My number floats down below on this video. Easy to find, and, uh, and I do answer the phone. So take care. Have a great day. Bye-bye.